my, my. If you didn't want this kind of preaching tonight, you probably shouldn't have showed up. We're free. Oh, I'm talking to a free people tonight. No longer in prison. No longer in chains. No longer in darkness. Oh, we're free tonight. Free to enjoy, Lord. Free to worship a living God. Free tonight. Free to believe. Free to believe. God, how we feel your presence, your anointing, even so right now, God. Lord, we're here to worship you, Father. We're not going to worry about what the naysayers may say, what the haters may hate on. God, we're free. And it wasn't man that set us free. It wasn't a denomination that set us free. But God, you by your word, you by your grace, you by your mercy, Lord, you called us out of darkness. You brought us into the marvelous light of this world. And you freed us, oh God. You broke sin chains off of us. You filled us with the Holy Ghost. Tonight to worship you, Lord. We make you loud, Father. But we heard this is the quietest place we'll ever be. Oh, Father, we're just preparing for the millennium. Lord, we're training our voices right now with an amen and a hallelujah, Lord God. Oh, we don't want the rocks to take our place. But God, we're here to worship you tonight. Lord, a couple of last prayer requests come in tonight, Brother Daniel Gisson Danner. Lord, being diagnosed with lymphomic cancer in the pancreas. Oh, Lord, we just pray you'll touch him tonight, Father. May you just send your Holy Spirit after him, Lord. Touch him in his body. Minister to his needs, Father. Brother Kenny Camp, Lord, in constant chronic pain, God, go to him right now. Lord, on the very wings of this prayer, under this anointing that we feel right here in this atmosphere, God, Lord, we know that we're free, and he can be a part of that freedom, Lord God, free from pain, Lord, free from the the, the things that are holding them back. God, may you just loose your spirit to him tonight. Lord, we want to continue to remember Sister Ruth. She goes into the hospital tomorrow for surgery. And we ask, dear God, that you would guide the hands of the physician, Lord. They'll not be the hands of a man, Father, but may you come and you make the right cuts. God, and you remove all that is there, Father. And may you just do as a skillful surgeon that you are. And God, may she have confidence. May she have peace tonight knowing that her God is on the scene. He's even here right now to send words of comfort, peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask these things tonight. Now, may you anoint the lips of your speaker, Father. They not be the lips of a man. Lord, but may we look beyond the voice that is speaking and listen to the voice behind the voice tonight. And may you just have your liberty, Father. As I believe the people are here under an expectation. Now, God, may you meet that expectation tonight. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we'll have you turn to 2 Psalms <clears throat> Excuse me, 2 Samuel, not 2 Psalms. Y'all find that one, let me know. It does happen. Amen. 2 Samuel 22 and verse 31. I think we should be a church tonight that is excited for what God has just recently done in our young people. Maybe you don't feel what I'm feeling, but I'll tell you what, when you got a young person that's coming back changed, it'll put something inside of you to make you shout hallelujah. Amen. 
Because you know you've prayed, you've tried, you've done everything you got and then you led, but it took God. And I believe tonight there's going to be some families that can say, my young person has come home different. They come home changed. They come home. Look, they went into a battleground, but they come home with a victory. And it's up to us to foster that atmosphere. It's up to this church to foster the victory tonight. And we're not going to sit down on the word. We're not going to sit down on the preacher. We're not going to be like a bump on the law. But we're going to cultivate an atmosphere of worship so that we can continue the battle, so we can continue marching forward. Let them see a fight in us. We find here, as for God, his way is perfect. How many can say amen to that? The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord and who is the rock save our God? God is my strength and power. And he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet. And he setteth me upon my high places. Notice David didn't exalt himself to the high places. God set him there. He teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by my arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy gentleness, gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me so that my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies. Young person, I'm going to be speaking to you tonight. This message tonight is directed to our youth and their return from the battle. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Notice, they didn't destroy you. We destroyed them and turned not again until I had consumed them and I have consumed them and wounded them that they could not arise. Yea, they are fallen under my feet for thou hast girded me with strength to battle. Them that rose up against me thou have subdued under me. Thou hast also given me the necks of my enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. They looked, but they was none to save, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. You know you got your enemy in a predicament when he's calling out to your God for help. Oh, but I want you to know, they didn't, your God didn't answer them then, and he ain't going to answer your enemy today. And he says, I beat them down small as the dust of the earth. I did stamp them as the mire of the street, and I spread them abroad. That's what you got to do with your enemy. You beat them down, and you bring them to dust, and you just spread it all over the place. Hallelujah, you can have your seats tonight. I'm a little excited. I'm a little bit jacked up tonight. Oh, my. I believe we, we, I want to speak to you tonight on returning from the battle. I don't think we got to return from the battle all down in the wowsy, wowsy woos, all defeated and depressed and beat down and beat up. No, I think when we went to battle, I think that's what we did this past week is we sent our young people into battle. But I believe, church, tonight that the young people are coming home. They're returning from the battle, not beat down, not destroyed, not forsaken. Oh, they've been persecuted, but they're still standing. Looking, young person, you have fought a great fight, but you're here tonight. You're still standing. When the devil said you weren't going to make you're here tonight. He said there was no use in trying. You're here tonight. See, we look at these scriptures right here and we find David gives an overwhelming uh, resound to the word of God or to God's praise and God's glory because, see, David knew what it meant to go to battle. 
David didn't have all this to say about God because life was easy and life was a little bit, you know, he had everything that he wanted and it was free from suffering and it was free from, from pain. But David learned to trust God in the struggles. David learned to trust God in each and every battle that he faced. He leaned from God. He knew that it would be God that would send him out to battle. It will be God that will sustain him during the battle and it will be God that will go with him returning from the battle. What am I telling you tonight? We heard a word last Wednesday night. It was a word. It was a, it was a precursor. It was a battle flag flying. Look, you're going into battle. But I want you to know just as well as you're going into battle, the same God that's leading you is going to be the same God that's going to meet you there. And let me tell you, you ain't going to leave him in Ohio camp. He came home with you tonight. He's here with you tonight. You have returned from the battle, and you didn't come empty-handed. He learned what God was in his suffering. He learned that God would sustain him in his battles. He found God to be his necessity, even in his dangers. Think about this. Many times we look at others and we desire maybe to have their testimony. I mean, who wouldn't want Brother Tim's testimony, right? Profound preacher. Been preaching for over 50 years, passing over 50 years. But look what it took to get to that point. Crippled feet. When other boys were out playing games, he was in there studying the word, pouring himself over the word. He stood against family. He stood. He didn't compromise on the things that were of God. He stayed true and faithful to the word. And now he's lifted up to a stature. And look. And we find many people, many young ministers, they idolize, they want that, but they don't know the struggle that it took to get there. And a lot of times we want somebody else's testimony. We want somebody, we want to be a, a, a strong Christian like that brother or like that sister. But what am I telling you? It took the battles to get there. It took the difficult times to get there. It didn't just happen. God just, just didn't throw that on them. No, they've been in the trenches. And they learned to trust God. They learn that God will sustain them. See, it's God that sets man up and sets man down. See, we find many times we want a great testimony, and you will have a great testimony. And young people, you do have a great testimony. And if we're going to be anything in this life, it's because God's hand is upon us. Because you remain courageous in the midst of your storm. Because you remain faithful in the midst of your battle. You trusted God when you didn't see him. You trusted God when you didn't hear him. You trusted God when you didn't feel him. You trusted God and kept marching on. Brother Brandon, they, they would ask Brother Brandon a question. Why, do we, why, why does God allow troubles to come? How many would like that answer? Because a lot of times we don't enjoy troubles, do we? Come on, just get with me a little bit tonight. It's okay. This is home, so let's just have church tonight. He said, God harnesses trouble, put bits in his mouth, and makes it obey him. And those troubles bring you into a closer fellowship with God. And you think you're just being out there. It's God punishing you and, you know, Satan's trying to destroy you. No, God permits these things so that he can bring you into a closer fellowship, a closer relationship. So God can tender his hand to you and show you that he loves you. You know the little story about the lamb or the sheep there and the, the shepherd had to break the, the little sheep's leg so that he can put them on his shoulders and carry him. And sometimes God does that for us. He allows troubles to come. 
But the trial, the struggle, the battle that we're in is not for our destruction, but it's to bring us into a more intimate fellowship with God. And we find David knew God in a great way. He knew it was God that girded him with strength for the battle. He knew it was God that brought him to each and every victory and subdued his enemies under his feet. He trusted and believed that it was God that destroyed every enemy that he faced. It wasn't man's idea, it wasn't man's doctor, it wasn't man's belief, it was God. And see, and he's the same God for you tonight. He's the same God for you young people. He's the same God for you older people. He's the same God for you middle-aged people. He's the same God. He girds us for the battle, and he gives us our enemies. He subdues our enemies under our feet. And therefore, David could say, he is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. Notice David packing. He's packing one title after another title after another title. So David knew that God was a God of deliverance. He knew that God delivered from the lion and God delivered from the bear and God delivered from Goliath and God delivered from Saul and God kept him from backsliding and God kept him from Israel's enemies and God kept him from his own son, Absalom, and God kept him from his own simple passion. He knew what it meant to believe and said, and a living God that will sustain him through every situation. And I believe he could easily trust in this God. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. He's my shield. He's my stronghold. He's my savior. Oh my, when we start looking at God like that, it's easy to trust him. You start putting accolations on God and start adoring him and, and reverencing him and what he is to you. You'll see God in a different light. Right. Oh, but many times what we want to do is we want to we give praise to the enemy or we want to give, give voice to the enemy. Oh, I got this doubt and I got this depression. And oh, we always in the wowsy, wowsy. It's time that we silence the voice of the enemy and start giving praise to almighty God. It's God that is keeping us in the battle. See, David learned to trust God in his youth. He didn't wait till he was older to serve God. He meditated on God day and night while he was out herding the sheep. See, he had a relationship. And he cultivated that relationship when he was on the backside of the desert all alone with nothing but a sling in his hand. But yet he thought about God. What is God? Who is God? And when the lion came in and a bear came in to take a little sheep, David ran after him and snatched the sheep from his mouth. And when he rose up against him, he took him by the beard and slit his throat and destroyed him. Why? He trusted in God. He knew that God called him to that position. Notice not only that, but David believed that the same God that kept him from the lion and from the bear is also the same God that would keep him from giants. See, God was just allowing his servant to be trained. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to meet a bear. I don't want to meet a a lion, no matter how big or small, much less a Goliath. But many of you have faced lions in your lives. You have faced bears in your lives. You have faced Goliaths in your life, and yet you're still here tonight. Yet you're still standing tonight. Yet you're still victorious tonight. You can look back over your life and see where God's hand and his provision has been on you the whole time, church. And David learned this about God. That God that kept me then is the God that's going to keep me now. This God will keep me in each and every battle. This God will subdue each and every enemy under my feet. I trusted him then. I'll trust him now. I trusted him last week in Ohio. I'll trust him on a Wednesday night. I'll trust God tomorrow. I'll trust him if I have cancer. I'll trust him if I have sugar diabetes. I'll trust him if I have 
faith. See, he experienced battle after battle. And he had victory after victory. He knew what it was to see casualties of war. He felt the agony of disappointments. He faced his share of failures. He was just like you, a man. Nothing more, nothing less. Actually, he was anointed by God, but you're anointed with God. And that David can stack on all this, title after title of what God was him only by an anointing on the flesh. What about you and I with the anointing on the inside of us? Not this flesh being anointed, but our souls, our lives being anointed, our lives being changed, our homes being changed, our jobs being changed, everything about us being changed. Not because man's idea, not because of theology, not because of psychology, but because the word of God has come down and rooted and burned out all, all, all darkness and unbelief. But David also knew how to rejoice in victory. David knew what it meant to bring the Ark of the Covenant back home. And maybe he had some churchgoers in his church. They criticized a little bit all that moving about, all that emotion, all that. Can't we just sit there and just bring the Ark and put it back in its place? And sometimes if we're not careful, that's the attitude that we have when we see a little wildfire take place. A little bit of fire happened in our young people. Oh, but the problem is you don't know what they know. You should have been there on a Thursday night when the Holy Ghost dropped down and started dealing with hearts and lives. You should have been there on a Friday night. Oh, whether it's too emotional or too this, you should have been there on a Saturday when chains fell off and all the heaven came behind them. You should have been there on a Sunday morning when he said, let's make it a real fight. Let's make it a good fight. You should have been there. And if you were there, you could say like them, oh, you don't know like I know what my God done for me. He brought me out of darkness. He put me into the light. He broke complexes off of me. He broke fear off of me. He destroyed depression. You don't know like I know. I'm free tonight. That's what I know. I know I'm free to worship. I know I'm free to rejoice. And David knew how to rejoice in victory. The problem is you ain't got enough victory. It's time that you experience some victory. Rejoice in your God. Rejoice in your Savior. Rejoice in your Redeemer. Praise the living God for what he has done for you. He was jubilant with praise and thanksgiving when returning from the battle. I don't think he came back defeated. Actually, they said David fought 60, 66 battles and he never lost a one. Oh, come on. I'm looking at some Davids. I'm looking at some Davids on a Wednesday night in a battle. But there's no fear of defeat. Oh, David could say, as for God, his way is perfect. He's altogether blameless. For who is God save the Lord? Who is the rock save our God? For he is my strength. 
and my power. He is my fortress of my strength. Oh, he make my feet like hinds feet. Otherwise, he makes my feet swift in strength and in pursuit of the enemies. He teaches my hands to war. You don't do these things with the mind of a man, but God teaches your hand, teaches you how to bend a bow, teaches you. It's God that teaches us these things. See, thou has given me thy shield of thy salvation. It's God that protects and saves his people. He has enlarged my steps under me. God has made it your platform so big you don't have to worry about stumbling. You don't have to worry about missing it. You don't have to worry about falling. You don't have to worry about the bus ride back. Well, I ain't going to get it. No, he made your platform big enough. You ain't got to worry about nothing. You just keep on walking. You keep on stepping. Be like, oh, the, the, the prayer of Jabez. Lord, increase my borders, God. It ain't enough room in here tonight. I need more victory. I need more of the glory of God. I need more tonight, God. Enlarge my borders, Lord. I believe in you tonight, God. So thou has also given me the necks of my enemies. Not my neck to them, but their neck to us. Then I beat them down small as the dust of the earth. Pulverized them, scattered them, stamped them as though they were just mire of the street. And I spread them abroad. Let that sit there for a minute. Let that just sit there in your mind just for a minute. Pulverized them, scattered them. I did stamp them as a mire of the street and I did spread them abroad. Oh, church, if you got an enemy tonight, that's what your enemy needs to look like. See, by these scriptures, we can conclude that David knew how to trust God in battle. And he gives credit to the Lord for his going in and his going out. See, he was courageous. His faith was built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. He believed for victory. See, he was leaning on the everlasting arm of Jehovah. He wasn't leaning on his own ability. And many times, that's what man does. They lean on their own ability. We're not looking at the ability of a man tonight. We're looking at the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And David knew what it meant to push the sword to the heart of the enemy. He knew what it meant to allow God to teach him how to fight. And that's why we come to the house of God. That's why we come to the church. That's why we feed on the things of God. Because we want to say like David, Lord, teach us my hands to war. Teach me to fight. Help me be skillful in battle, Father. The prophet of God will tell us we're not on a picnic. No, we're in a battlefield. So many people just think when they become a Christian, that's all that they, and they need to do. That settles it forever. He says, as they are Christian and everything's going to come easy, he says, don't never get that in your head. Church, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. We become, Brother Brown says, I become a Christian to fight, fight the good fight of faith. <laughs> come on, there should be a little bit more amens than that. I know it's Wednesday night, and I know we don't want to talk about fighting in trials because, oh, man, if I start talking about it, I'm going to have one tomorrow morning. <laughs> so what am I saying? I'm saying we can't take psychology and expect to defeat the enemy. 
We can't take some second-handed experience and expect to defeat the enemy. We can't take some denominational view or some man's idea and expect to defeat the enemy. We must take the word and that word anointed by the spirit of almighty God and line the two up. And then when you face your demon, when you face that enemy, when you're in the midst of your battle, then you can have confidence that the word will never fail you. It has never failed in the mouth of a believer. If it never failed then, it won't fail you tonight. You can put those words on your lips tonight and it's just the same as deity speaking. It's just the same as God saying, let there be. All that you got to do is find that anointing, find that word and release your prayer, release your faith tonight to believe that whatsoever you ask, God said he'll do it for you tonight. Brother Bam said you got to fight for every inch. Friends, this is not a picnic. This is a battleground. We never come here to eat cookies. Now, I don't know about you, but I like Girl Scout cookies, especially the little thin mint ones. Ooh, they're killer. But this thing, Girl Scout cookies, we're not passing out cookies. Oh, have a good time. We are in a battle. And Satan is after our souls. See, he wants to destroy your very existence. How many of you are familiar with Winston Churchill? Amen. Winston Churchill made this statement. He says, success always demands a greater effort. Success always demands a greater effort. And if we're going to be successful in our battles, then we got to give a greater effort. Young people, we got to feed on the word of God. Put down those things that are distracting you. Now, I know some of you are in all these little chat groups. My goodness, you can't, you can't do anything without a little boy, a little girl. I'm like, put your phone down before you go to the bathroom. No, put these things down that are distracting you. Say that in jest, but you're all smiling because you're all guilty. Guilty, sentenced as charged. Uh huh. See, you got to meditate on the word. If you would put that kind of dedication to your prayer life, ooh, oh, this is supposed to be a faith building message. It is. If we're going to be successful in battle, then we got to put forth a better effort. What am I telling you? I'm proud of where you are. I'm proud of how you come home. But if we're going to be successful, if we're going to finish this thing, church, we got to put a greater effort in. We got to pray more. We got to believe more. We got to trust God more. We got to listen to the word more. Put in more. God won't disappoint you, young people. God will reveal himself to you in a supernatural way. Many of you gain a lot of ground this weekend, but there's more to be gained. Keep fighting. Keep pressing the battle. Keep pushing forward. The land belongs to you. Go take it. Let me encourage you. Go take it. It's yours. Go take it. See, you were engaged this past weekend in a battle. And we stayed behind and we prayed. God change them. God change them. I didn't just pray for the Adams kids. I prayed more for them. But I didn't pray solely for them. But I prayed for you 
and you and you and you. Oh, I pray God will move. God, move on our young people. Brother Aaron did a masterful job last Wednesday night sending you off with courage. You're going into a battle, but the banner's been lifted. The standard has been raised. This church stands behind you. We support you. And I'm going to tell you again, I'm here to reiterate, we stand with you tonight. We're thankful for the victory. We're thankful that you returned from the battle. But I want you to not quit. Don't stop. Don't settle for that. Keep marching. Keep moving. Keep striving. There's more of God to be had. There's more victories to be had. Many times we think, well, we get back home and we start running from the enemy. Running from the enemy. We fret. The prophet of God will tell us, you don't have to knock down to the devil. Y'all know what knock down means? Knock. There you go. Mississippi right there coming out. You don't have to knock down and cower down to the devil. No. How many of you taste victory this weekend? No, no, no. Mm. That was weak. How many of you tasted victory this weekend? Come on, somebody. God, you've done something for me. I came home changed. Well, if you come home with that, just think about it. One more victory. One more victory. One more victory. Another hand. Another demon. Another enemy destroyed. How did that feel? This is only I'm telling you. It gets better and better and better and better and better. If you don't have to nut down to the devil. We got a law. The prophet of God said, that's the law of the Holy Ghost. The only thing that you know have to do is know how to let go. Oh. Well, Brother Joe, pardon me, but that's just not how I am. Well, Brother Aaron just said, it's time to learn. How many of you have ever felt the moving of the Spirit come by you and you sat down on God? Oh, my Brother Joe, could you just go on and preach to the young people for a minute? No, you felt it. And he's urging you. And the prophet of God said, only thing that you have to do is let go. Yield yourself to it. Yield yourself to that anointing. If he wants you to speak in tongues, if he wants you to dance, if he wants you to do whatever he's urging you to do, you know that it's there. You feel it your own self. He says, the only thing you got to do is Learn to let go. And if we would learn to let go, we would learn that it would be in perfect harmony and order with the word. Perfect harmony and order with the word. See, our faith has been forged through the fierceness of the battles that we have faced. Young people, you'll never be the same as you are tonight. You will never be the same because you're different. Because you return from the battle different. This ain't like it was before. Oh, my. See, this past weekend, you got something. Come on. This is your service. Hey, I heard y'all shouting and praising it up up there in Ohio. Ain't nothing different. You can shout for the Lord there. You can shout for the Lord in your own home church. 
I said, you got something this past weekend. Come on, young person. I can't hear you. You got something. Oh, that thing that's been nagging you, that thing that's been holding over you, that thing's head got cut off this weekend, and now you're not the same. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, oh, you come back different. You come back free. You come back liberated. Ain't, ain't a devil in hell can take what you got away from you. There ain't a devil, brother Lydia, can take away what God done from you this weekend. And many of us, and many of you young people face defeat after defeat, failure after failure. And what's the first thing the devil does? Now, 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 you're going to be just the same. You're going to be just, just, just like always. Go to camp, hoop, holler, jump, shout, blah, 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 blah. But when you get on that bus, ain't nothing going to take. It's not permanent. You just got worked up. You just got caught up in the atmosphere of Brother Ben and Brother Kobe worshiping. Satan, how a liar you are. I said, Satan, how a liar you are. We're going to hear some testimonies before this service is over with. Maybe the spark of fire in some of us older people. Maybe something of light. And it won't be so dreadful to come to the house of God. You can put a smile on your face. At least let your face know you're happy. If you ain't inside. I know I'm, I'm treading on thin ice up here, aren't I? What am I telling you, church? This would be the greatest place that you should come. Oh, you're free. The world's outside. Your troubles are outside. The demons are outside. Those things have been holding you back. They're outside. This is where you should be free. This is where you should be free. This is the people that love you. This is the people that care about you. The Holy Ghost falls time and time again. What am I telling you? We should learn to let go in the house of God and be free to worship and be free to serve a living God. Satan can't stop you young people. He's tried camp after camp, service after service. But look at you. You're here tonight. You're standing tonight. He said he'd get you in pornography, but he can't. He said he'd take you down by depression, but you're here. He said he'd get you in suicide, but you're here. Come on, mama. Come on, daddy. Create an atmosphere tonight. Create an atmosphere tonight. These are young, young people. We're returning from the battle. We didn't return empty-handed. We're packing small church. You're still standing. Oh, my. How many of you have ever felt like quitting? Raise your hand. This is class participation 101 tonight, and I'm the instructor. We all have. Unless you just got him more fade into a cherubim. And I highly doubt that. Never been done before. I got a little bit of time. I'm good. No, we've all felt like giving up. We've all felt like throwing in that white flag. I surrender. This is just too much. I can't go anymore. 
but you're here. But you're here. What am I telling you? Satan didn't have enough last week. He didn't have enough yesterday. He doesn't have enough tonight. You are still standing. Let that resonate when you wake up in the morning. And you put your feet off the side of that bed and you take a stand. And that devil said you weren't going to wake up. devil said you're not going to mount anything. You stand there in the face of all the adversity. And when having done all the stand, stand there for and let that devil know you didn't give me yesterday and you can't give me today. I'm a son of God. I've been born by the blood. I've been birthed into the kingdom. Oh, I know who my father is. I know where I'm going. I know where I came from. Oh, devil, you might as well go back to hell because I'm going to love worshiping my God. Hallelujah. Notice now. There's times you didn't know how you can continue to fight. You didn't know how you was going to take another step. Some of you didn't even know if you was going to make it to the camp. Some of you didn't even know what you were going to do when you got home. Because it seems like it's just like before. Can I say something? Can I quote the, a famous man by the name of Winston Churchill? Can I tonight? Yes. He said, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. He said, we shall fight in the parking lots. We shall fight in empty fields and on wide streets. We shall never surrender. Let me just tell you, he wasn't just talking to a, a bunch of Englanders. He was talking to you and I tonight. I believe he was anointed tonight to speak those words that somebody was going to tap into it and he was going to come and he's going to say the same things. We shall defend this message, whatever the cost. We're going to fight for our families. We're going to fight for our children. We're going to fight for healing. We're gonna we're going to fight for deliverance. We're going to fight for joy. We're going to fight for peace. We're going to fight for the Holy Ghost. We're going to fight for the supernatural. We're going to fight until our bodies have been changed and we're sitting at the marriage supper of the land. We shall never surrender. But we will fight. And devil, we're going to make it a good fight. We're going to make it a real fight. We got one objective. Brother Ram said, one objective. I'm going to win. Let that be your objective. Let that be your objective. Let that be your objective. I'm going to win. You know, when I was out in the world, I told y'all I like to fight. I didn't fight fair. I was little, a little bit bigger than I am now, fat. I mean, I'm five foot nothing. You got to learn to use what you can pick up. Come on, Shamgar. You got to learn to use what you can pick up. Oh, it might not be kosher. It might not be theological, but that don't matter. Use what you can pick up and go to fighting. I got one objective. I'm not going to lose. I told my son, he's big. Good Lord, he's not got stronger than me. 
I'm not real happy about that one. I tried to wrestle him the other day, thought I was going to pick a little fight. He picked me up and slammed me on the couch. I'm like, oh, we got to think about this strategy. That one didn't work. But I looked at him in the face. I said, we're only playing. We're only playing. Because the difference between me and you, you're like your mama. You're sweet, gentle nature. I ain't. You're my son. Choke me on the couch. But if it's a real fight, watch out. And that's what I'm telling you. No matter what it takes, win. 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 At all costs. If it means forsaking family, win. If it means forsaking friends, win. If it means forsaking those video games, win. If it means forsaking those websites, win. If it means letting go of this, win. What am I telling you? No matter what it takes, we shall fight and fight and fight. We shall never surrender. We have one objective in this message, and that is to win, to take a body change. We're not giving up. We're not backing down. We're not turning loose. We're going forward, brother. We're going forward. Oh, we're Christian soldiers marching as to war. One purpose, one motive, that's to be the victor. Brother Bam said, take the word of God and cut your way through every doubt. He said, that's my next job. Cut your way through doubt. Cut your way through all these other things. All your frustrations, all your senses. Cut your way through it. If you're conscious, he goes, Brother Man says, you know my conscience tell me, Brother Branham? Well, that might, be, that might as well cut that thing away. He says, you know, you ain't going to get no further than that. You're just going to be the same when you get home. Cut it away. I can't lose. You start talking like a winner. When you start talking like a winner, you'll start acting like a winner. And when you start acting like a winner, you can't lose. David knew where he stood, and he talked like a winner. And when he went out there in the face of adversity, he never lost. What about it, David? What about it, David? See, young people, you've cut your way through doubts that it was for you. You cut your way through complexes that you're not good enough, that you're not pretty enough. So the devil will take those things and twist it on you. Make you look in the mirror and say, well, look at me, huh? You know, I'm just bland. Well, good. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I look in the mirror, I'm like, God, thank you for that love handle and thank you for that one too. You know, the world won't see Greek gods. I look at them like, yeah, that's, well, you got 3% body fat. You ain't got no life. (laughs) I got 10% here, 10% there. I enjoy some some ice cream. Oh, yeah. Chocolate chip, cookie dough, vanilla, bean. Talk to me. I don't eat clean. (laughs) I'm not worried about what I look like. I'm happily married. Praise the Lord. I know some of you are on your way, so you got to keep yourself down. Don't go getting all undone now. Be obese overnight. But these complexes, you cut your way free from them. I'm talking about what happened this weekend. You cut your way free from fear 
that the Holy Ghost was for you, that you can never get it. You cut your way free from deep-rooted depression. Some of you cut your way free from suicidal thoughts where the devil said, just cut your wrist. Do it this way so it don't cloud up. You cut your way free from it. That's some of the victories we're packing tonight. See, some of you young people had a forever change, an eternal change. Mom and daddy couldn't do that for you. The pastor and the preachers couldn't do that for you. But you went to a battleground and you fought. You waged war, spiritual warfare in the face of the enemy. And he was howling, you're going to lose, you're going to lose, you're going to lose. Some of y'all had enough faith on Thursday night to get the victory. Some of y'all, it was Friday night. Think about the order of sequence. Thursday night stirred your remembrance. You know, David got into a place. We're going to get there. I got a few more minutes. I know where I'm at. Stirred your remembrance. Then on Friday night, what happened? The light came by and broke chains. Then Saturday, all of heaven turned loose on you. And Sunday morning after heaven turned loose on you, God equipped you with fighting power. We're going to make this a good fight. And now Wednesday, we get to return home from the battle. God doesn't make mistakes. And last Wednesday, the banner was going before you. God was waving that banner saying, I'm going not only before you, but I'm going with you. I'm going to be in you. I'll meet you in the prayer line. I'll meet you at the altar. I'll meet you in the worship. I'll meet you in the word. I'll be there. And he's waving that flag. Here are the colors right here. Oh, you may get down, but look up. See the colors. It's still waving. We're still winning. We ain't been beat yet. We ain't been defeated yet. This word has never lost a defeat. This word will defeat Satan any time, anywhere on any ground, under any condition. What is it doing? Going before us tonight, telling you you're still in the battle. Keep moving. Keep marching. For the Bible says, when a man takes God at his word, brother, that'll kill Satan every time. That's the death stroke. Oh, my. That's the death stroke. It, he said that's the hardest hit that Satan can get when a man will take God at his word. He said, they tell me when a plane really breaks a sound barrier, there's no limit to its speed. He goes, when you break that traditional barrier that Jesus was back there, then he isn't now. When you find that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, there's no limit to what God can do right here in this convention. When people get to hunger in their heart that the veil is ready to be broke, you can just depend on that. Rent every veil by the Holy Spirit, and he stands here tonight, the mighty conqueror, the same yesterday, today, and forever, healing the sick, baptizing the believers, just as he did then he's the mighty conqueror now doom devils are on the run what am I telling you the same God that met you last week is here tonight and doom devils were on the run then and they're on the run tonight you can't lose young person oh the Bible says if God be for us then who can be against us oh you can't lose you got a winning proposition 
1 John 4 and 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome him. Already, past tense. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I say unto thee also that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, the church is not a building. The church is a people. And God is building his church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against you tonight. Oh, notice. We, got, we can go on and on and on. See, then he's going to come back to some of you. He's going to try to steal away what God did for you this weekend. He's going to lie to you, but don't entertain his lies. Don't you stop for one second. He was defeated, and he is defeated, and he remains defeated. But as soon as you open up and entertain that lie, his defeat is over. Keep him under your feet. Brother Brown makes a statement here in Sirs, we receive Jesus. He says, we don't back up. If you don't like fighting, you don't like loud noise, you don't like jubilee, you don't like worshiping God, maybe you're in the wrong place. There's a Baptist church about three miles down the road. Oh, but we ain't backing up. Come on, somebody. I said, we ain't backing up. We ain't stopping, and we ain't losing. Oh, my. The land belongs to us, and we're going to get it. Now, how many wants victory tonight? The prophet of God said, if you want victory, then you got to have a battle. Oh, I raised my hand too soon. What was I thinking, Brother Joe? That was not nice. That was trickery. He said, before you can have victory, there has to be a battle. And there, if there is no battles, then there's no victory. So we ought to be thankful yes, for the battles yes. and the tryings. And it's God giving us, notice, giving us the opportunities to have victories. Amen. See, if there was no war, then there would be no victory. And all things are possible to them, to them that believe. See, no matter what the odds are, we believe. The Bible would tell us in Romans 8 and verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that has died, yea, rather that has risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, but in all things we are more than conquerors. I'm not talking to losers. I'm talking to conquerors tonight. See, we have nothing to fear. God has promised that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And God doesn't pull back in the heat of the battle. But he reinforces and reinforces. If you go back and look at the order of the services, he was reinforcing and reinforcing. From Wednesday till today, he was reinforcing and reinforcing. Standard lifted. Stirred your remembrance about a living God, who he was, never leave you, never forsake you. Broke the chains off of you. All heaven came back behind it. 
and turn loose on your behalf. Then he encouraged you. The last message is to fight. To fight a good fight. To fight a real fight. And when the fight's over, then we'll return home from battle. The Bible will tell us in Romans 12 that there was war in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against a dragon and the dragon fought against his angels and they prevailed not. And neither was there place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength. A loud voice. I think it was a voice of rejoicing. Now has come salvation. Now has come strength. Now the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brother is cast down, which accused him before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice. If heaven can rejoice because of their victory, shouldn't we be able to rejoice for our victory? Come on, Grandma. Grandpa, can't you rejoice for your grand, grandkids? Mom and Dad? Maybe you don't have a kid present, but you can still rejoice in the victory. Because that victory wasn't just their victory, that's our victory. It's our victory. All heaven rejoice. Shouldn't we be able to rejoice? First Chronicles 26 and verse 27, as we start wrapping this up. No, I'm not going to be done by 8.30, I'm just going to tell you. Maybe 9 o'clock, maybe 9.30, maybe 10. Since out of the spoils won in battles did they dedicate to maintain the house of the Lord. So out of the spoils that are won in battle did they dedicate to maintain the house of the Lord. See, spoils of war are plunder, loot, Goods taken in battle by the victors, not the losers. The first time this word spoils was ever mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 14 when those kings came down to Sodom and Gomorrah and took Lot and took all of Sodom and all Gomorrah. And when Abraham found out that his nephew was taken, Abraham and 318 men went down. Let's look at this just for a minute. Could you just imagine all these kings, they're rejoicing. They got, a, they got Lot. They got the seed line of Abraham, some of his offspring. Here we got it. We got all the women. We got all the children, everything. We got it all here. We got the entire two cities. Devil's rejoicing. And that's the way it was with some of you before camp. He was rejoicing. Man, I got them with depression. I got them with suicide. I got them with fear. I got them with inferiority complexes. I got them with, with superiority complexes. I got them. Man, I got them all right here. See, see, Satan had taken Lot as spoil. And along with the vast herds and wagon loads of food and clothing, chests full of gold, silver, and precious stone. See, the devil was boasting of his capture of Abraham's seed. Look at Lot, he's bound and changed and stripped of all his goods. And that's exactly what Satan does to us. But it ain't over yet. God has the final say. 
Now we find Abraham, he goes down and he frees, and he frees and rescues Lot, and he rescues all of them, and he returns everything back to, to even to the shoe latch of Sodom and Gomorrah. But all the spoils went to Abraham. What am I telling you tonight, church? The Bible would tell us that what know you not that you are the temple of the Lord, and the spoils and victory are used to maintain the house of God. And every time you go forth in the battle and you win and you're the victory. You come back packing spoils. What is that for? That's to maintain the house of God. That's to maintain the church. That's to maintain the believer. We don't come back packing spoils for ourselves, but we come back so that even the light can rejoice, so that the world can rejoice, that our young people, they got the victory. And here are the spoils of war. And what does it do? It helps maintain our cause. That's why we're here. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we believe, because we know God is raising up children to defeat the enemy. Our trials are not meant just to be our survival, but God is wanting to enrich our lives with resources and wealth. And he wants to stockpile treasures on your life. Faith on top of faith on top of faith. Stacking line upon line. Precept on precept, victory upon victory to build us up. He says, I'm going to have a church, Brother Aaron, without spot, without blemish. How does he do it? He builds her up through victories of war. As we bring this down to a close, 1 Samuel 30, and this is a very familiar scripture. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag had smitten. And they had smitten Ziklag and they burned it with fire. And they had taken the women captive and that were therein and they slew not any, either great or small, but they carried them away and they went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and they behold it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Notice this was a spiritual battle, not only a physical battle. Because, see, the seed line was going to come down through David's gene. And now the enemy determined to cut that seed line off. So he takes all the women, takes all the children. And that's what Satan's determined, is to destroy the seed line. To destroy the youth. Cut off the seed. See, the Messiah was going to come through David's descendants. So, taken, so Satan had taken every woman child that that seed might come through. See, he was determined to destroy the seed of Christ, and he does it by attacking us. And we find David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives that were taken... And you would know their names. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, some of us, we just gravitate to negativity. I used to say negative Nancy, but I got corrected on that. You're not supposed to say negative Nancy. You can say knockout Nancy now. <laughs> knockout Nancy knows who I'm talking to. See, because knockout Nancy don't have a negative Nancy attitude. 
But if oh negative Nancy was in this picture here, David would have never encouraged himself in the Lord. But David began to think about what had God done for him. David began to think about how good God is and all that God had done and how God delivered him from a lion and how God delivered him from a bear and how God did all these great and mighty things. And David began to encourage himself in the power and the providence of God and the promises of God that was his way. He began to encourage himself in knowing that I've been elected by God. I've been anointed by God. I've been called by God. I've been placed as a king by God. He began to encourage himself of the previous battles, of the previous victories. What am I telling you, church? I'm telling you it's time that we begin to remember the things that you've done, that God has brought us through. You're not here today defeated, but you're here tonight more than an overcomer. You're more than conquerors tonight. You've been through one battle after another battle after another battle, but you're still here. You're still standing. Encourage yourself in what God has done for you. No matter the odds, no matter the opponent, no matter the battle, no matter the situation, David encouraged himself. Hamah. Encouraged himself in the Lord. And I think if there's ever a church that can encourage herself in the Lord, we've seen cancer defeated, we've seen brain bleeds defeated, we've seen alopecia defeated. Man, we've seen prodigals come home. Come on, prodigals, raise your hands. Man, we've seen prodigals come home. Cancer, come on, cancer. Cancer defeated. Oh, depression defeated. Suicide defeated. Pornography defeated. What am I telling you? We got something to encourage ourselves about. If God thought so much of you then, the same God that thought of you then is thinking of you now. You can't lose tonight. You're the victor. I'm telling you, you're the victor tonight. Encourage yourself in what God has done for you. Notice, 1 Samuel 30 and 7, and David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me here to the ephod. And Abathar brought through the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, no, you probably should have stayed home on Wednesday night and streamed that service. Brother Joe's just a little bit too evangelistic for you. You don't need to go. No, he said, and he answered him, pursue. No, 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 that was weak. He answered him, this is... Abathar the priest, God speaking to David in his darkest moment, in his weakest moment, in his most trying time. And yet when he asked God, God, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Shall I recover all? The voice of God thundered back. Pursue after the enemy. You shall surely overtake the enemy and you shall surely recover all. What am I telling you tonight? I'm telling you that same God that anointed David is anointing you tonight. Don't you give up. Don't you back up. You pursue tonight. I'm telling you, in the name of the Lord, you shall overtake and you shall recover all. You got kids out in the world, pursue tonight. You shall overtake them and we shall recover all. We're not going to leave a hoof behind. Your marriage is falling apart, pursue. You wonder if everything is going to be all right? Will you ever change? Pursue. You wonder, will you be the great mighty warrior that you want to be? Pursue. 
See, the devil has put questions in your mind. Well, am I just feeding off emotion? Am I just getting all caught up? No, the Lord's answer. And the Lord's answer will always be pursue. 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 It's the same God is telling you to pursue. You went last Wednesday night on a message from Brother Aaron that said pursue, overtake, recover all, bring home some spoils. Even like Tabernacle needs some spoils. We need to see that God is good. We want to taste that God is good. We want to experience that God is good. And when you young people went on that bus, we didn't just send you off and say, oh, praise God, we get a break now. No, we went praying, and we were with you. We were in the midst of the battle. Somebody had to stay back with the stuff because they won't let all of us old people go to youth camps. Somebody's got to tarry with the stuff. But what am I telling you? The Bible says that David chased after his enemy. David went after him. He said that, that when they came back, David, the Bible says in, in 1 Samuel 30 and 17, and David smoked them from the twilight evening of the ne- until the next evening. Otherwise, he got there on a Thursday night, and he began to fight, and he fought all night Thursday, all day Friday, all night Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Saturday night, all day Sunday. He fought on the way home on the bus. He fought on Monday. He fought on Tuesday, and he's here tonight, and he's still fighting. What am I saying? David is fighting his enemy. David ain't giving up. David ain't backing down. No, David is pursuing. David is cutting his enemy. David smoked them, and there escaped not a man. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that had taken from them. David recovered all. See, David knew what his God was capable of. He saw the lion, he saw the bear, he saw Goliath. He'd been in 66 battles. David didn't know what it meant to lose. Come on, David. The same God that told David is the same God speaking to you tonight. You've returned home from the battle. Notice what he does after the battle. David came to the 200 men, this is verse 21, which were faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide in the brook Bazor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And David came near to the people and he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men, the men of Bilal, and those that went with David. And they said, because they were, not, they were not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. I'm only going to let you have your family. David said, no. That ain't how we fight. That ain't how we fight. You got this all wrong. Notice what David says. Then David said, you shall not do so, my brother, with that which the Lord had given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part that goeth down to the battle, so is his part that tarried with the stuff, that they shall be part of life. What am I telling you? Even like Tabernacle, these victories that these young people came, they brought back from after the battle, that ain't just their victory. It ain't just their family victory. It's the church 
church's victory. The church is behind you. The church is supporting you. The church wants to see you overcome. The church is with you, church. Oh, we're with you, young people. We're with you, families. We're with, what are we doing? We're returning from the battle and we're packing spoils. We're rejoicing in testimony after testimony. Some of you got the Holy Ghost. Some of you had things fall off your life. What am I? That's not just your victory. That's our victory. That's our victory. That's our victory. The world is rejoicing tonight in your victory. The world is streaming in tonight in your victory. David divided the spoils. Both the musicians come. Well, if you don't know like I know what he done for me. Somebody better get up here and sing that before I get double platinum on the platform. Oh, why are you so excited, Brother Joe? Because I've seen God move in my, my own young people. I've seen God move in a special way. And my son and my daughters. I seen God move. I heard the testimonies. I had you send me your testimonies. I seen God move. I seen the, the, the rim of the devil and his blockage on your life, his chains of indifference fall off of you. Oh, I've seen, I'm experiencing spoils after the battle. And tonight, I believe we got a few minutes. We're going to hear some of that. We're going to share some of the spoils of the battle. Come on, Brother Mike, let's sing that real quick before we start calling some up. Oh, you don't know like I know what he's done for me. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. You don't know like I know what he's done for me.
seats for a moment. I think it's good that we can hear some of those falls, a few of these testimonies of what God has done in Eden the Light Tabernacle. They told me I could tell the long version, so get ready. <laughs> well, um, back in March at Oklahoma camp, I went through the prayer line and I said that I wanted a refilling of the Holy Ghost. And it was Brother Andrew and my dad praying for people up there. And um, Brother Andrew said, well, first of all, you got it. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I know. Like, I know when I got it, I remember and everything. But he was like, no, the devil's been lying to you. Like, it's all over you. And after that, I realized that how much doubt I let, like, how much I lived with. And... Um, so after Oklahoma camp, I was able to live like I knew who I was. And um, then at our youth camp, I was back in the back running the projector on Sunday morning. And uh, Brother Andrew got done preaching. And everybody was singing. And people were dancing and stuff. And Brother Andrew looked all the way back at the back at me, like to the back. And he pointed and he said, you got it. You got it. And uh, that was just so special that God reminded me that I had it, you know. And um, so we'll skip ahead to August now. And Wednesday night was, like, just what I needed before camp because, um, like, I could go into camp with the mentality that I'm an overcomer and I need more of God. Like, the devil had always made me feel guilty for needing more of God. Like, if you need more, like, you must not be good enough, you know. But it, it's just a trend of Laodicea. Like, they have need of nothing. And so if you go against that trend, then he'll make you feel guilty. But um, so I had this list that I had made for Ohio Camp. And um, I wanted a really personal experience with God. I wanted to be so full of God that it was just flowing through me and around me. And, like, I just wanted something really personal. And um, I wanted a refilling because I'm not satisfied. And um, so um, Thursday night rolls around, and this spontaneous prayer line formed. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm, it's okay. <laughs> but... Then Brother Nathan Erickson, I think he had been down praying with people, but he went back on the platform, and he was like, young people, if you feel the pull of God to go through this prayer line, then come. And a few times they had mentioned that night about Charlie and Rachel and how time is so fleeting, like you're not promised tomorrow. And it just really hit me, like, even at camp, like, I'm not promised tomorrow. And I was like, if I can picture, like, my life ending tonight, like not living another day after this, then I'd want it tonight. And so finally I went and got in line and 
I was really nervous. And then I was like, hold up. That's the devil playing with my emotions. Because God would never want me to be nervous. He would want me to have peace. And he would always want me to come to him. And so I finally got up there. And um, I ended up in front of Brother Andrew and Brother Aaron. And I told them, I was like, I just want to know that I've given absolutely everything. Like, I'm not holding anything back. I don't want to be caught lacking, only giving 80% or 99%. I want to give him absolutely everything. And I want to be, like, I want to be saturated with God. And um, so they started praying for me. And uh, Brother Aaron prayed even that no fear complexes or anything would hinder my worship. And... He raised my arm in the air and he said, this is the message. This is the Holy Ghost. And that was just like so meant so much to me. And um, then I switched back and I heard Brother Andrew and he had quit praying. And he said, and my eyes were still closed. I was, my hands were in the air. But um, he said, it's different this time and you know it. He said, you testify. And I said, he's mine, and the devil can't take him away. And my arms were straight up in the air, just waving in the air. And after that, it felt like I was like three feet from my body watching myself. Praise God. Um, I was saying other stuff. I have no idea. I don't know what. But, um, and Brother Andrew, I could still like hear certain stuff. And. Brother Andrew said, man, that's powerful. And then he said, he told Brother Aaron, he's like, hurry, let's pray for the next one while that anointing is still right here. And so they led me away all the way to the right of the platform. And uh, my foot was against the platform. And I could hear Colby singing really close, but... That's the only way I knew I was in that building, because I was not there. I was just so caught up praising God, and everything was so clear that it was only God's grace, that it was all God's grace that had done a work in my life. And the devil was just so tiny, like, he tries to blow himself up, but he's not that big. (laughs) But... uh, But about 10 or 15 feet in front of me, I could see the throne of God. And he was sitting there in white robes. And it's like my head was bowed and I could only see him out of my peripheral vision. And I couldn't see above his waist. But I was just praising God. And there was a mass of voices behind me just praising God like heaven. And out of the whole crowd, I could, Rebecca's voice was distinct. And before camp, I'd really been praying for her that, you know, she would know she had the Holy Ghost and that she would surrender her gifts to God because she's so talented. She's really anointed. And in that moment, I realized I'm going to hear her voice in heaven. And she's going to shake the kingdom of hell while she's on this earth. And she's going to, I'm going to hear her praising God in heaven. And, um, Always when I'd imagined heaven, I would always just picture 
God and then me worshiping God and just this faceless crowd. But it's not. It was all the faces that I loved, the people that we know, people here is going to be there. And we all get to praise them there together. And um, so that, it was just like the most amazing experience of my entire life. And I just held it in my heart, and I didn't really have the words to tell anybody until Friday night after church when I told the girls in my dorm. And I was just, I was telling them about it, and I was just crying and crying. And I was like, God, you're going to have to be my strength because... I want to be back there. I don't want to be here. I was like, you're going to have to be my strength to live on this earth because I feel so weak. And uh, me and Lily were just crying, and she was praying with me. And uh, I couldn't fall asleep that night, and I ended up only getting four hours of sleep. But um, I turned on the Lifeline app, and... Brother Brandon was preaching the commission, and he started talking about heaven, like, almost right when I turned it on. And so I hurried, and I got on the table app, and I was like, i got to find that. And so I found it, and I'll tell you what he said. He said, now just think, after the battle's all over and the smoke's died down, we come up, meet our loved ones, and then meet him. We sit down at the table across from each other. Won't that be wonderful? There will never be a crutch or a wheelchair around the table. Oh, won't that be marvelous? And then when we see all that setting along there, I look across the table and I say, Well, God bless you, brother. My. And then we'll just have to cry a little bit. Don't you believe so? If we can, we'll just cry a little bit for joy. And then at the head of the table will come out our king and his majesty. He will walk down along all of us and put his arms around us and say, You suffered much. You went through much for me. He wipes away all the tears from our eyes. Now don't cry anymore. It's all over. Oh, for that great time. That's why we're here, isn't it? Won't it be wonderful to feel his arm around you and say, now don't cry. Enter into the joys of the Lord. You fought a good fight. So while we're here and got this opportunity, let's make it a good fight, a real fight. And after that, I I felt like I was getting my strength back to go on. But... Sunday morning, Brother Timothy read his opening scriptures, and then he read the exact quote. <laughs> I asked him about it later, and he said it was already in his notes. But And um, he preached that morning on, let's make it a good fight. He could have just titled it, this is for Lauren Adams, but it's okay. <laughs> but um, if you haven't heard it, you should totally go listen to it, because um, it was amazing. But... You know, usually at camp, you're really sad to come home because it's, like, amazing. But after this one, I was like, no, it's it's really not sad to come home. I was like, it doesn't matter if I'm at camp, if I'm at home, because I'm fighting to get back there. That's Not just for the Adams family. But for you, the light family, for the bride of Jesus Christ. That's why we fight. Jemiah, I had a couple of select people to come up 
If we don't get to all of you tonight, what I'm going to ask you to do is to uh, maybe video your testimony and let us put it on the Facebook page so we can keep it as a memorial of what God has done. So please do that. Some of you have wrote it down, but let's video it and keep it so it triggers back up a year from now. The devil's still under your feet. I might have to read this because I know it's going to be all over the place if I don't. So going into camp, I didn't know what I really wanted, but I knew I wanted him to speak to me personally. I start, I start, I'll start by saying I don't get offended by any of the jokes between us and our friends. But being the only my baby here. <laughs> Mama, stand with you too. But being the only black kids in church was kind of overwhelming, and sometimes I felt out of place. I kept it to myself because I thought if I did, then it would all just go away. The devil attacked me a lot about it, and I just never told anyone, just kept it to myself. Well, Saturday night, I went through the prayer line, knowing that I would go in one way and come out completely different. And sure enough, I got that and so much more. I made it to Uncle Timothy, and he said, you belong here. <laughs> and at that moment, I just broke down, fell to the floor, just bawling my eyes out. Satan had attacked me long enough with, you'll never fit in, or you'll never be like them. I mean, look at you. You're black in a church full of white people. I was helped by two sisters to a bench where I would just cry and thank God for the longest time. I don't know. I stayed there for at least a good 30 minutes. And then I finally got up, and there was this random sister that was there. And she gave me the biggest hug in the world and said, he's so wor- he's so real. And to myself, I was like, lady, you just don't even know like I know for real. Amen. And so I had finished, thought I finished crying when that happened, and then... I bawled my eyes out on this random lady's shoulder. And then, so after that, I got myself together, at least thought I did. And then Katie comes, and I was like, well, the floodgates are open again. (laughs) And I started crying all over again. And I had to get myself together because I wanted to be back to my, like, back into myself so I could experience everybody else getting blessed in the service. Amen. 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 You belong. Jay, you belong. Felicia, you belong. L, you belong. Sister Dorita, you belong. Brother Johnny, you belong. Church, we all belong. We're Christians. We're believers. We're not separated by our skin. Oh, we've been purchased by the blood. Oh, the world wants to separate us. But we're not separated by our race. We're separated from sin. We're separated from unbelief. Oh, we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. You put that devil in his place every day. When you think you're not loved, you call the Adam's house. 
We'll love you when nobody else will. Even you, Brother L. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Few more. Can we go a few more? We got time. It's already it's still only nine o'clock. Man, y'all stayed up later than this watching football or something. Netflix, Hulu, one of them things. Shalane. These are hand picked on purpose. And if I didn't pick you, it's not on purpose. It's just these are special that I think the world needs to hear about these. Okay, so I've had touches from God, and I've been delivered from stuff in the past, but I've never had anything that I could look back on and say that I got the Holy Ghost until Friday night. So for around the past year, I've been basically completely spiritually dead, and I knew I didn't have the Holy Ghost, and I honestly didn't want to give God everything, and I didn't want to give the stuff that I was doing in my life that I knew a Holy Ghost person wouldn't do or say. And so basically, I just kept walking away from God. And God would speak to me, but I never answered him. I just turned away. And the past few months for me have been really difficult. I felt super miserable to the point where I didn't want to do anything. And I would just feel so emotionally and physically drained from talking to people because I was just pretending. And just before Ohio camp, I was so done with sin and being depressed that I was just like, I can't live like this anymore. Something's got to change. And I wanted God to change me completely because I knew I couldn't do it without him. So Thursday was a really great service and I enjoyed it, but I was kind of feeling down because I didn't really feel God talking directly to me and then Friday comes and I'm like really tired and I'm like I don't think I'm really gonna get anything out of this service but brother Timothy starts preaching and literally every word of that sermon was directly for me and I just felt God come down and I couldn't wait to get to the altar and just give him everything and I'm just standing there crying and Brother Wayne comes down, and he says, I felt the Spirit of God tell me to come pray for you. And he starts praying, and I'm just bawling, and I start giving everything to God. And the ministers leave, and I'm still praying. I'm just standing there, just literally everything, just, I didn't want anything. And the devil tried to come, and he's like, if you, if you give up this, you're going to go have to apologize to some people. You're going to go have to apologize to your parents. Are you willing to do that? And I'm like, I just, I just can't live like this anymore. I have to. I, can't, I just can't. And I, as I was praying, I just felt the most beautiful presence I've literally ever felt in my life flow over me. I collapsed, and I'm just laying there, and I do not want to move. I'm just, like, laying on the ground, and... I'd kind of wondered before how like Mariah did it because me usually when I'm praying at the altar I'm just like I'm thinking about other things sometimes and I'm thinking about how my knees hurt or my feet hurt or if if people can see the snot running down my face but 
I was literally just, I was, I was just thinking about God and I was thanking him for what he'd done for me. And they started playing, playing the song. I hear my chains falling and I literally felt something propel me off the ground. And I screamed, my chains are on the ground. And I, I just sat there worshiping God and thanking him and telling him I love him because I'm free and I have the Holy Ghost and nothing can ever take that away from me. Amen. Sister Marie, you needed that. Your family's been through a battle, but you got a spoil. You got victory right here. You got victory right here. You got victory right here. We got something we can point the devil back to. He lost the soul that he thought he had. The chains have fallen off and we're free at last. Oh, church, a living God. Look what God has done for even like Tabernacle. We got a couple more we're going to do. Amen. I'm so thankful for us being allowed to go to Ohio camp and all the testimonies that have come from it. It's just been a real blessing. But for the past two years, I've been seeking the Holy Ghost. And after every camp or special meeting, I'm like, Lord, I want the Holy Ghost. I want you to fill me. Just completely fill me. But after every camp or meeting that I didn't get it, I would come home real down because I'm like, well, I didn't get it this time. And I was like, am I even going to get it at the next time? Why go? Why should I try? Why go to the altar? He didn't answer me last time I went. Why would he answer me this time? But that was just Eliza, the devil speaking to me. But it's been a real battle. And uh, this year at Oklahoma camp, I was went there asking and seeking for the Holy Ghost. And the Lord touched me, gave me a touch of the Holy Ghost. And he did it last year at Ohio camp too. But I didn't allow him to completely fill me. I just, Lord, I said, Lord, you can have this, but you can't have all of me. But this year at Ohio camp, Brother Andrew Spencer preached about repentance and complete full repentance. And so that night in the prayer line, I was, well, actually, while I was preaching, I said a prayer. I said, Lord, everything I am, I give it to you. All my dreams, all my thoughts, all my plans, God, my whole life, I gave it to him that night. And so I went down into the prayer line Thursday night, and I went up to Brother Wayne and Brother Timothy, and I said, I want the Holy Ghost. I said, I've gotten touches before, but I want it to completely fill me and that I just know that I have it. Well, Brother Wayne said, you're in the right place. He said he's already done it for youth tonight. He can do it again. And he said, all you have to do is open up your heart. So right then I lifted up both my hands and I started praying. I said, Lord, I've given you my all. I pray that you'll just come fill me. And Brother Wayne said, that's it. And he started praying for me. Then after he prayed for me, he said, Joseph, it's happening. He said, he's filling you. And he said, I want you to remember this song. I want you to remember this date. I want you to remember this sermon because this is where it happened. And Brother Andrew preached on Stirred by Remembrance. The song they were singing was Nothing But the Blood. And I forgot the date, but I have it written down <laughs> in my notebook. <laughs> but 
I just stood at the altar and I was praising the Lord for it. And after that night, I was really changed. I just got to enjoy camp, not worry about anything, just have a good time and enjoy the presence of the Lord. And Sunday morning, Brother Timothy preached on let's make it a good fight. And at the end, it was very powerful. And during the end song service, they were singing, you don't know like I know. Well, I was so done with the devil attacking me. And I knew I got the Holy Ghost and I know I was changed, but I just wanted to rub it in a little bit. So I took my shoes off in church, which is something guys shouldn't do, just saying. Usually keep them on. But I took them off and I wrote the devil's name on the bottom of my shoe. And while I was doing that, Brother Andrew Spencer said, I get joy when I think about Satan under my feet. Well, after that, I put my shoes back on and I started praising the Lord and dancing and shouting and just having a good time in his presence, praising the Lord. Well, after that service, I looked at the bottom of my shoes and the devil's name was gone. And that just proved to me that he's no longer around me. He doesn't have a hold on me any longer. I got a reason to shout. I got a reason to rejoice. Oh, we got a reason tonight, even like Tabernacle. Our young people went to battle, but they come home packing the victory. They come home bringing spoil. And now they're sharing. We got one more tonight, Sister Maddie. Oh, my, don't try to shut me up. My son got the Holy Ghost, Lawrence, before the throne of God, hearing my daughter Rebecca sing. I hope I'm in there somewhere. Please, Lord. Okay, so it's kind of a mess, but I kind of wrote it last minute. Um, So like Joseph was saying, I've been seeking the Holy Ghost for some time now. I've hopped from camp to camp, and nothing ever supernatural happened to me. I thought I had it every time something happened. I danced, I shouted, and I just felt refreshed after. It wasn't, and the devil was saying, oh, you danced, so you must have it. But I fell right back in the same traps as before. Here recently, I've just been wanting the Holy Ghost so bad. Like, I've never wanted something so bad in my life. So, um, I had a desire. Like, it was, I don't know, I can't explain it. It was just, like, I had to have him. Like, I I can't live this life without him. So, this youth camp, I had told myself, I'm going to get it. I had to get it. I can't walk away without it. I I don't want to live without him. Um, so I I made a list, expectations and all that stuff. And, um, I had all these scenarios in my head of how it would go. Like Thursday night, oh yeah, it'd be great. Friday would be great. Saturday, I might get it. I don't know, I might get it. Sunday, it's going to be rejoicing time. It'd be great. Well, none of that happened. And so I got really discouraged because, like, I felt nothing. I felt emotionless. I had no hope. I felt like a failure. And so I actually reached out to Brother Joe on Saturday morning because I didn't know what else to do. Like, I've went through prayer lines. I've went through both. I went every single night almost, and I was like, Lord, why can't I get it? Why is, is it not for me? Am I not worthy enough? Am I not loved enough? So Brother Joe um, had sent me a message back. He said, 
Repent and be baptized, and you shall receive it. It's mine. Just claim it. I told him that I was scared that I was going to go to hell and wouldn't make it into the rapture. He um, went on, and at the end, he actually prophesied over me. He's, I'm just going to read it for you all. So he said, God loves you. God sees you. God has heard your heart's cry. And let me prophesy that you will get what you are seeking. You receive the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. You will have joy. You will walk in victory. And you will put your foot on the head of that thing that's been tormenting you. And you will be changed. So I went through the prayer line Saturday night. No minister said anything that stuck out. They said nothing. So I felt like, why am I here? Like, why did God put me on this bus? And I got nothing. So, um, every night everyone would like come and tell their testimonies in the dorm of like what had happened or what they experienced. Like I was happy for them, but I wasn't happy, if that makes sense. Um, so after I had text Brother Joe, he'd answered, um, Rebecca Paris, actually. Saturday morning I had like let her read what Brother Joe sent because I don't know, I was like, I didn't really, I cared what he said, but like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is just the devil. It's just the devil. <laughs> I do care. I do care. I promise I care. Um, so anyway, Rebecca Paris listened and we had a good talk. It was a really good talk and I'm glad that God had put her in that moment so she could help me and stuff. And so um, that night, I believe it was Saturday night after the prayer line, um, I had went to my room just reading my Bible and praying like, Lord, please, like I can't, I can't carry on. So um, the girls got back in their dorm and um, Tori was actually saying, it's not something you have to work up, it's a gift. You just have to take the gift. I thought that, oh, hold on, that's my spot. I thought, oh wait, I had a thought, oh wait, there's still one more service. Like, don't, don't give up hope. There's one more service. So Sunday rolled around. I prayed for a piece that I would leave there that, like, even though it wasn't coming, that I had a piece. Like, I know it was coming. And so, um... I left with the peace. The service, all the services were great. Um, the peace, I just had like a peace. Like, Lord, even though it's not my time, like, I know it's coming. You promised it to me. So, um, we had got back on the bus. We kind of just chilled and hung out for a while. Well, everything started settling down. Um, people started giving their testimonies. And so, I, was, I text Rebecca Paris again. And I told her that I felt bad for not having a testimony. It's like, Lord, everyone is testifying of what you've done this weekend, and I have nothing to testify of. I have nothing. And so um, she told me that, just talk to Brother Aaron. Of all the seats that could have been opened, it was the seat right beside me. So I had a hope, like, just because we're on the bus, like, there's, you can, he can meet you anytime, any place, anywhere. You don't have to be on the campground. You don't have to be in a special meeting. You don't have to be in a church service. He can meet you anywhere. And so, um, like I said, I'm a very planned and organized person. 
And so I had all of these scenarios of how it would go. Well, it didn't go that way. So um, the scenario that I made up was Rebecca Adams was supposed to come and sing, and I was going to talk to him, Brother Aaron, while, he was, while she was singing. Well, it didn't work out that way. Um, Brother Aaron gave a speech after someone had finished their testimony and literally said all the things that I was thinking. He said, you know, just because we left the campgrounds doesn't mean we can't create an atmosphere right here. It's not too late. It's never too late. The president can drop right here on this bus and we can get, and you can get what you have been asking for. Just because you didn't get it at camp doesn't mean you can't get it now. I know you've been on your phone while the testimonies have been going on, which is okay. I knew right then he was talking to me because I was texting everyone in our group chat <laughs> that we had. Yes, we have a group chat. I'm sorry we have a group chat. Um, anyway, they, um, I was just telling them, like, hey, y'all pray for me because I kind of want to talk to Brother Aaron, and I'm kind of scared to talk to Brother Aaron. And sorry that I was scared to talk to you, Brother Aaron. Um, he lost my place again. Anyway, he was, I was texting, yeah, back to the group chat. Um, I was like, y'all pray for me. I'm scared to talk to him. Like, I, I don't want to leave this bus. I don't want to go home the same way that I came. And so he was, um, Given his little speech, I don't remember all that he was saying because I was kind of crying because he was literally saying everything that I was thinking. And um, he had finished his speech, and um, he started praying for me and asked, asked me, do you think you aren't worthy enough to have it? Do you think you can't receive it because you think he will leave you? Which it never really crossed my mind when he said that. It was spot on, though. My mom had left me when I was younger, and I guess I was scared he would leave me too. I don't remember a lot of what he said. I just began confessing and testifying. I wasn't going to be like my mom and that I was going to get the Holy Ghost. I am worthy enough. He loved me so much that he died and took all my sins away. I had to surrender everything, and I was ready to surrender everything. I had to get to a point of, you know, it's either this world or it's him. I just wanted him, and that's all. Nothing else in this world matters. Of all the places it could have happened, it happened on a bus. Don't you tell me God can't do it. He can do it anytime, any place, anywhere. That's right. And the devil can't tell me it didn't happen either because I had 50 or more witnesses right beside me fighting this battle along with me. This isn't like last time. I thought I had it before, but I got the real deal. I've never been so happy. Let's make this last little bit a good fight. We got this. It isn't going to be easy, but we are on the winning side. We can't lose. Don't ever lose hope. He always shows right on time. Amen. 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 Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah. Spoils of war. Your young people come packing testimonies. Life-changing testimonies. Let's give the young people a round of applause tonight. A round of applause. We support you. We love you. We're on your side. We're believing. We're fighting with you.
beside you, for you. You're not in this by yourself. Look around, young person. Evening Light Tabernacle stands with you tonight. We'll stand with you tomorrow. We'll stand with you when nobody else will stand. You belong. You belong. You belong. Spoils returning from the battle. We got one more that I think is going to be a very big encouragement to the church. And it's Brother Aaron. Brother Aaron took a burden to preach last Wednesday, get on the bus with all these crazy teenagers, get no sleep. We all know that Brother Aaron's had some health issues. Not in his mind, but he's had some health issues. And that was a big undertaking. That was not a simple little thing for him to do. I mean, come on, he's not five foot six. He's, yeah, bus seats. They're small, so he had to figure out how to do that. Oh, how big are they? Okay, bus seats, y'all. I don't ride the bus. I fly, not first class, but I fly coach. Next year, there you go. So this was a big undertaking. And I want to say, Brother Aaron, thank you for taking the burden to take our young people and wave that banner and take the colors up there and declare that even like standing with you. We're standing with you. We didn't send you alone. God laid it upon his heart to go with you. And, and the Lord done something very special for Brother Aaron. Brother Aaron, if you'd come at this time and give your testimony. Um, I do want to take the opportunity to also uh, thank Brother Matthew and Sister Elizabeth. They did an incredible job. It was awesome to have them with us. And so if we give them a round of applause as well. Um, you know, I got a, a, an awesome text from Maddie. I just want to add this. She, she wrote me and said, uh, I know that Sister Lydia told you I was scared of you but I'm not scared of you anymore. <laughs> she said, after what happened to me last night, why would I be scared of anybody? And I thought that was awesome. I thought that, that was powerful. Uh, you, you have a group of young people that you can and should be proud of. Um, they, they have an, an incredible reputation around the world. Um, they are spoken of glowingly. And look, you don't have to tell us that they have battles and they have shortcomings and failures, but why would you want to be on the side of the accuser? I just say we have incredible young people that are fighting with all their heart to get there and they're awesome and God has done some incredible things. And um, I'll try my best uh, to give a short little speech. Um, uh, 2017, I started having some very odd um, health issues. Believe it or not, it started with my nose twitching. And it was crazy how much it would twitch for weeks and weeks. And like you could look at it and you could like literally just see it move. And it was an odd thing. And that we didn't know what it was. And uh, that's where it started. And it started it was something with nerves. And I ended up going to the doctor. And they found that I had strep. And they started trying to treat that strep. And um, for 40-something straight days, I had strep. And it, no matter what antibiotics they gave me, no matter what they did, it wouldn't touch it, wouldn't go away. Then over the period of the next couple years, I don't know the exact number, but I ended up having strep, I want to say 19 times. 
and it, and it was um uh, they believed it had to do with some kind of autoimmune. Long story short, they couldn't never really pin down what was going on. Why was this constantly happening? Um, things of that nature. Uh, but then it started, it, it triggered something. I'm just saying what the doctor said. It triggered something that caused um, something in the, in the muscular realm. And that's when they sent me over to Houston. Some of y'all may remember that they sent me to Houston to some specialist. And, and I didn't realize it when I was there, but the doctor actually, um, she never told me this exact word. And I can't remember it now. Forgive me. Some people are more detailed than me, but she gave me a diagnosis and I didn't even realize it um, because I guess it was more her opinion. She had wrote, I believe that if, you know, I believe it's probably this. And I didn't realize that it happened until I ended up at my neurologist the last time. Um, some tests and things being run, struggling with, with real weakness. Uh, just to give you an idea sometimes of how it could be, and, and just so some of y'all understand, my strength has never changed in a sense that I can go pick up something that I always could pick up. But my, I began to lose muscle stamina to where I would have to take breaks brushing my teeth because my, my arm couldn't last that long or washing my hair or trying to clap through a song, not have the, the, the stamina to go all the way through. And it was, you know, it was affecting things like I couldn't safely climb trees to hunt, you know, things of that nature because my muscles would give out. And so I knew something was going on. But. The last time I was there at the doctor, he made, a, he made the statement. He said, the doctor in Houston says you have such and such. And forgive me for not knowing the big word. It, it's a word for a devil. And, um, and, uh, and, I, and he said, I'm not sure that's what it is. He said, if it is, it would be the second time I've ever seen it in my 30-something years of practice. He said, you'd be the second case I've ever seen. He said, but what you described to me. That sounds um, like it matches that. He said, but what we're going to do is, he said, we'll monitor it. And over a period of a year or, or whatever, he said, you come back and then I'll be able to know. You know, we'll, we'll have a better idea of it. And I'm that person that I kind of refuse to Google and look into the seriousness. I just wouldn't. You know, if he said we can wait a year and monitor it, I figured it couldn't be. Too, yeah, you know, I'm good. Um. And I know this next part, when I say it, I know you could get this for many things. You can be turned down for things because you have high blood pressure. I'm not trying to make it um, more than what it is. I'm just saying the devil always has a punch coming. And he knows how to get you with fear. And he knows how to, I've done my best in lots of ways to ignore a lot of symptoms and just push through things. You know, when I didn't feel good. But right before we left for Ohio, uh, <laughs> You know, when I left my job, I lost all my insurance and stuff, which is fine. We knew that was coming. But just because I'm a planner to some degree and I want to make sure my family's taken care of, I wanted to get some life insurance. So when you fill all that out, you have to give them permission to go through your medical records. And so I just got a letter and right there in it, it had that diagnosis and it said, due to this, you, you can't get life insurance. That hit me pretty hard because they're saying, in other words, you know, we don't want to give your wife this money. <laughs> so it hit me pretty hard. And I was like, so I went with a real burden on my heart that the Lord would touch me and do something for me. 
And we laid down and took a nap one day because, as he said on the way down, I fell asleep at 5 a.m. after I'd preached. I fell asleep at 5 a.m. finally. I was very comfortable, actually, and your kids were amazing, by the way. They're quiet, respectful. I just couldn't sleep. Fell asleep at 5 a.m. At about 6.15, the sun started coming up, and it was time for Father Abraham and every other Sunday school song you could ever imagine. So I was rolling on one hour of sleep. So when we got there, I did. I took a nap. And when I woke up from the nap, the Lord was dealing with me about my healing. And, and I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I can't be very specific. I just know in my heart I woke up and the thought was playing in my soul and in my heart that you're fixing to see six months of constant improvement. That's just, I don't know where that came from. But it was just rolling over and over and over in me. I said, okay, Lord, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take the improvement. I'll, I'll take it all the way and walk into a well body. And... Um, but I'm just going to fast forward to Saturday night because I don't want to keep you. Um, just know that, that our God is a living God. He knows, um, and, and, and he's not going to be defeated in any situation. Prayer line had started, and I had not mentioned anything about my health. I was feeling fine. It's not something I talk about very often. So it was not something that had been brought up. We're praying for people. We're probably about 15 minutes in the prayer line, and I'm about the fourth person down in the prayer line and we just prayed for somebody, and I looked up to look to see who the next person was coming. But over here, Brother Andrew was not taking the next person. He was staring at me. And he caught my eye, and he looked at me, and he said, Your total healing is here right now. And I'm not basing my healing on, on Andrew Spencer the word says by his stripes I'm healed. That's always been there and that's always been the promise. But sometimes when the devil strikes a blow, God will come right behind it and say, I got something for that. I got something for that right there. And it just sparked a faith in my heart in that moment when he spoke to me and it anchored in my heart. And I can tell you it's a finished work that I'm healed for the glory of God that it's over with. And regardless of what name they gave it, you know, even if I ever see that doctor again, he's going to say the doctor in Houston was wrong because there is nothing there that would indicate that this is what you had. I know it's over with. I thank you for your prayers. I appreciate you. You are an incredible, incredible church body, and you deserve to share in the spoils. I believe. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Well, you know what happens when they return from the battle, right? After you divide up all the spoils, you get to rejoice in it. So let's rejoice tonight for a little bit before we leave this evening of what God has done. Look what he's done for our young people. Jemiah, that touched me. That really touched me. All of them. See what God's done for my family, God's done for your family, God's done for our family, our church family. We are a blessed, blessed, blessed church. And as Brother Mike comes to lead us in service, Sister Ruth, I know you asked for prayer. Won't you come? She's having surgery in the morning. Brother Aaron and I will pray with you tonight. Sister Ruth is undergoing a procedure in the morning. She covets your prayers. May we just join together before we start singing as a church family. 
And just uh, remember her tomorrow. What time is your procedure? Okay. We're just going to believe that the surgeon is going to use a skillful hand. Uh, Let's just pray. We've already gone an hour in testimonies and only did five. So please record your testimony. Send it to either Brother Aaron, myself, or Brother Mike so we can put it on the Facebook page because we want to record those so that everybody can, can view it because that's sharing in the spoils. Amen. It's not that yours wasn't important. It's just that we don't have enough time. Amen. So if you do that, we have two, and a half hours of two and a half hours on the bus. We don't have a long bus ride. We got just a few more minutes, so that some of you got to go to work tomorrow. But if you do that, and we're so thankful for what God has done in each and every one of your lives. And even like Tabernacle vows that we will support you. Mom and Dad, I want y'all to stand up, and I want you to make your vow that you're going to support your young person. And maybe not yours, but you'll support the others. Grandparents, you stand up. This is your heritage. We're not going to give up without fighting. We're going to stand and we're going to believe and we're going to fight for every youth in this church. We'll do everything we can to get them in an atmosphere and not only get them in an atmosphere, but to do our part to create an atmosphere so that lives can be changed. God is continually moving people into our church because they see what's happening. Lives are being affected. Lives are being changed. So we make a vow to you tonight that we love you, we support you, and I'm going to Ohio with you next year. Amen. Those are just wonderful, wonderful testimonies. Thank you so much. Sometimes we feel like shouting. Sometimes we feel like singing with all we have and fast songs. And man, just hearing all those testimonies, I just I don't even know if I can sing. Andrew might have to help me. Just have that song in my head, just echoing over and over. To me, he is.
can see your love. 